0: Hey there, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. Last week, we saw terrible images on TV of rioting in the Capitol. And Bishop Frank talks today about the human response of anger, juxtaposed to Martin Luther King Jr. and the way he went about social change and his mission. In the second segment, St. Paul writes that we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. So Bishop Frank will dive deeply into the theological virtue of hope which we need more than ever. In case you haven't heard you can have Veritas Catholic Network with you wherever you go. Besides being in your car on Alexa, on iHeart, and on Google Home, we're also on your phone. You can listen live to our broadcasts. You can grab podcasts of Let Me Be Frank or the young adult show Restless and more. It's all on your phone. And to take Catholic radio with you everywhere, just download the Veritas Catholic Network app. It's at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or you can visit www.veritascatholic.com. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank, everybody. It is, as always, my great pleasure to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Uh,
1: Steve, it's, uh, it's always great to be with you, and um, gosh, we have a lot to talk about.
0: Yeah. <laughs> can we start with, um, how are you feeling because I've gotten a lot of emails from folks mm-hmm. asking about you. so.
1: Well, thanks be to God. I still, I feel fine. I'm asymptomatic. I, um, I'm awaiting my second test at the, the date of our taping, right? I'm still awaiting the results of my second test. And please, God, that's negative. And then I can end my quarantine because my 10th day of quarantine is today, the day mm-hmm. of our taping. So once I get the verification it's negative, I will come back out into public ministry. And it, it, it's an interesting, it's interesting, um, because I, I very much like to keep an active lifestyle. And I must confess to all of our listeners, it has been for me much of a struggle to, to stay within the four walls of where I'm supposed to stay. It really is a struggle. Yeah. You know, I joke to my friends it's like being a prisoner. Right. And now I know what incarceration, I mean, not really, but I mean, in some way, shape, or form, to be able to be restricted in your freedom to just simply go take a walk. Yeah, it's, uh, it has been a, a, a time of reflection for me. Um, and hope, please, God, has made me a little bit more sympathetic um, to, to, to the ongoing tragedy that's all around us. I mean, Steve, um, yesterday there were 4,000 people in our country who died from COVID. Yeah it's just astonishing it's the the level of suffering is astonishing. so compared to that what i'm talking about is you know seems almost trivial but thank so i'm 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 gr- grateful for all the prayers i feel good thank god oh, thank good. god
0: good and then you know um so we we were kind of hoping a couple weeks ago that uh the flipping of the calendar might uh psychologically help things get better oh my gosh not <laughs> at
1: all <laughs> I mean, let's hope and pray that we're going to build from here. But again, this is just a few days for us taping for next week uh, after what happened in Washington, D.C. And I, I, I'm not sure how I could express in English how I felt looking at that. I was appalled. I was horrified. I was just Astonished. Astonished. Yeah, you're talking about people, the, the attack on the Capitol. The rioting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, what? I mean, why would anyone think that that is a justifiable act? That you are attacking the seat of what con- what we consider to be the people's house, the place where our democracy runs. Even when you disagree with those who are there, yeah. nonetheless, as a country. We have always been better than that, and we air out our differences in dialogue, in rational discourse, and convert people's hearts to the truth. If we believe we have the truth, then our obligation is to convert their hearts, not to beat beat them over the head with a stick. How do you how can you do that? And be faithful to Christian faith. I it just astonishes me. I was so horrified. It almost brought me to tears. I have to tell you the God's honest truth. And we chatted before we started the tape. I mean, I don't have children of my own. But if I had young children, i turn the TV off. That's the sort of thing you don't want them to see. Yeah. And then people lost their lives. How does that serve the truth of whatever you think the truth is? And quite frankly, the truth is not what you think it is. That's the centerpiece of Christian faith. Jesus didn't come and tell us the truth is what you want it to. I'll tell you and then you interpret it the way you want to do the way you want. No, no, no. He is the truth. And so we live in a society where my life is all about me. You saw it in spades there that the, that mob rule would say, well, this is what we think. And therefore, this is what should be. No, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it does not work that way. I just, honestly, I I was just, I never imagined, uh, like last year, how many times have I said it? I never imagined. I never imagined we would have stopped public worship. I never imagined we would be in the position where more people are dying per day now than were lost in the entire World Trade Center tragedy every day. Mm -hmm. And I would never have imagined there would be open insurrection in the heart of Washington, D.C. It's just amazing to me.
0: Yeah, and, you know, people, it feels like people feel like they need to up the ante. There were riots last summer. I thought they were done. Now there's, you know, we kick off the first week of this year with, with this violence.
1: Uh, it's shocking. It's, what's wrong with people? Let me ask you this. This is my simple litmus test. Could you imagine the Lord Jesus being in the midst of what happened in Washington, D.C.? And if the answer is no, then in my simple mind, then why would any Christian be there? Why would any Christian be there if yeah. you claim to follow the Lord Jesus? If he himself, your Lord, Savior, and Master would not be with you at that moment, not do the same thing you're doing. It's as simple as that. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and we don't have to complicate things. I, I, uh, anyway, it's- we have to pray. We have to pray for a moment where people saw what happened and say, enough is enough. We cannot go down this path.
0: It's a, it's, a, it's a striking reminder that um, the world has been captured by the devil.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the end, the devil can take uh, takes many faces. And what we are really is we have succumbed to the idea that I will get what I want or what I choose or what I believe is the truth, I will get it at any consequence. Yeah. And where's the obedience and submission, and even the and even the willingness to suffer for Christ? You know, I've said it many times, we as Christians are faithful. I don't like to see what I see in the larger secular society. It's attack on life, it's lack of respect for the elderly and for the sick, it's attack on unborn life, leads the list, but nonetheless, Having said all that, you stand for what you believe, and if you are you are persecuted for that, then you are standing in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus, because the Lord Jesus would be standing there to be persecuted as He did on the cross when He willingly gave His life. See, wherever the Lord would be standing, that's where a Christian stands.
0: Yeah, yeah. Violence is not the way, and you know, it's per- a perfect example of this. Is um, uh, you know, we're going to be celebrating in a, in about a week Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Mm -hmm. And you were probably a very young child when he was leading his civil rights movement.
1: Yeah, when when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, I was nine years old. And I I have a vague recollection of those events. Um, And you know, he is a towering figure in, uh, in 20th century American history because of, of the catalyst that he and many of his collaborators successfully brought to the fore, the deep injustices and inequalities that existed. I mean, we are now, what, 65 years past the death of Martin Luther King Jr., but to consider that parts of the country, many parts of the country, had Jim Crow laws where white and black Americans could not interact, could not sit together. I mean, it seems so foreign now, but that was the law of many states. Mm -hmm. And we can't brush that aside. Again, as people of faith, Are we not all made in the image and likeness of God? Did not Jesus come to save all mankind? What is the difference in the color of our skin vis-a-vis the eternal glory that is the destiny and mission of every human being? And yet, in very overtly religious areas of the country, Christian areas, you had segregation. Yeah. So, I mean, now, he was a Baptist minister, Right? He was the co-pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. He himself was the son of a civil rights activist. right? And as you said before, Martin Luther King Jr., his two hallmarks were civil disobedience and nonviolence. Mm-hmm. And who did he learn that from? He, in his writings, of course, being a Christian, following the Lord, who did not violently respond, right? and Mahatma Gandhi, And the struggles of Gandhi in India, who basically followed also civil disobedience and nonviolence. And, you know, there's much to talk about in the history, of of which I am not an expert, to be very honest. But um, the fact that the whole civil rights movement of the 60s raised the question of the right to vote and the need to desegregate. And the rights of laborers was an important contribution an essential contribution to creating a more just, and I would like to think, more Christian society. Hmm? But we've talked about racism. I mean, laws in and of themselves don't convert people's hearts. Right. And that's the struggle of every person who stands before God naked in judgment is... How do I treat my fellow man or woman? And what deep seated biases do I have? Because the laws may grant equality, but that doesn't guarantee true equality unless every human heart believes in that equality. Right? Yes. So the struggle continues. And you know, and and it is, and you know, I've mentioned once before, I mean, my great grandfather came to the United States at the turn of the 20th century. And I've shared this story before and mysteriously died soon after he came in the railroad yards of Buffalo and was buried in Potter's Field. Word only came many months later when no letters were answered. And we, I have this sneaking suspicion that he being Italian in a time when Italians were not very much present in that work could very much have been victimized by violence simply because of who he was. You know, and it is, it is, the, it is the, the age-long sin that we choose to be beguiled to consider our differences more important than that which we hold in common. And yet St. Paul teaches us just the opposite, teaches us that the body has many members, but they're all essential and they all give glory to the head who is Christ the Lord. So allow me to vent just for a minute. For all Christians of all denominations, but now for ourselves <coughs> as Catholic Christians, we read the scripture. Does anybody actually allow it to convict them? To look yourself in the mirror and say, "Am I? Am, how am I not living this? And to change. Because you know what, my friend? When we stand before God... There will be no choice but to have it before us, literally put before us. And then what will we say before the Lord? Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I don't want to be there and have Jesus say, depart from me. I do not know you.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) No. And, and, you know, um, invincible ignorance only goes so far. And, you know, laziness only goes so far, and Mm -hmm. distraction only goes so far. And the, the truth of the matter is, in our society, if COVID has done nothing else, it has raised so clearly the fragility of every human life. And I tested positive and had no symptoms. A dear friend of mine tested positive and was struggling to breathe in a hospital bed on a respirator. It's the frailty of life. Yeah. And if I were to have landed in a hospital bed, right, struggling to breathe, I would be asking myself, if this is the end for me, Lord, what do I have to offer you? What will I bring to you? And say, this is what I did with the gift of my life that you gave me. And now I didn't have that. So will I convict myself when I'm looking in the mirror and say, why were you the one not to have symptoms? Hmm. And what will you do with whatever God gives you for the rest of your life, whatever that may be, to give him glory? Rioting in the midst of the capital doesn't give God glory. It, uh, it, living with uh, it parts of my life that may be still afflicted with discrimination or pr- Prejudice, that's not giving God glory. And how much time do you think we're going to have to change? <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, so what you're saying, I mean, so it occurs to me that, and it strikes me very much that from the very beginning of his um, public campaign, Martin Luther King Jr., he always kept Christ at the center of his activity and as of his motivation. And so for Absolutely. us, when we approach cultural political issues we need to follow that example you know as a student growing up for me i grew up reading about uh the marches on selma from selma and Mm -hmm. uh letter from a birmingham jail um Mm -hmm. listening to dc
1: 1963 yes
0: and listening to the i have a dream speech and Mm -hmm. it's inspiring and it it elevates you and wants you as the learner to do better and i don't think that you know, my grandkids down the road are going to read about what happened at the Capitol and be inspired by that. Because the difference is, as you're saying, Christ is not at the center of the activity.
1: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And, and also, with Martin Luther King Jr., I mean, was he a perfect person? Absolutely not. He had his own flaws. Yeah. And we not need dwell on that, just as I have my flaws, and you have your flaws and every listener has theirs too, some bigger than others. And people will discredit the message because they say the messenger is not perfect. Well, if that's the case, we're all discredited, aren't we? Hmm. The only one who is perfect, right, is the savior himself. Yeah. But he gives us a share of his spirit, asks us to, to be molded by the power of that grace to become ever more a perfect vessel as a messenger of the truth, but the truth is greater than the messenger. And even though I myself, with all my faults and failings, and good Lord, my friends, my family, and those who work with me know my failings. Lord, we're not not gonna talk about that today, (laughs) all right? But when I do have the ability to preach the truth, as best I can, the truth, is not dependent necessarily on my being a flawless witness. To be a flawless witness is for my salvation. But it doesn't it doesn't deprecate the truth. Right? And we live in a world that wants it all to be about personality and scandal and sensationalism. It has nothing to do with that. The truth is far greater than the messenger. And we can use that as the excuse to say then the truth doesn't apply, or yes it does. Oh, he certainly does.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, Excellency, separating flawed men from their heroic missions. Look at the apostles for the love of God. Yeah.
1: Look at St. Paul for the love of God. Really seriously. He condoned Stephen's death. We talked about that two weeks ago. And yet he's chosen as an apostle and had a heck of a time trying to get some sense of recognition from the Jewish Christian community that, probably his whole life suspected him yeah as being a traitor or a turncoat or a spy or whatever else it may be certainly Floyd. peter yeah. i mean they were all, but king david that's not oh my god <laughs> moses yeah Mo, and yeah. i love to talk about moses right uh, we've talked but moses i mean c- c- put that this the the egyptian uh, to death yeah right no so i think in the end it, it, it almost seems to me that we're coming to a great crescendo. So allow me to to really go 250,000 feet up. We're coming to a great crescendo that a lot of what was going on in the background underneath is now coming to the surface. And this could be a moment of great reckoning for the largest civil secular society. Because some of what we are seeing, all right, is the consequence of the premises that secular society operates out of. My life's about me, I get what I want, and you know what? And if you do X, then I will do X because your behavior justifies mine, rather than say, you do X and I'm going to base my behavior on what I believe and know is the truth taught to me. In this case, as Christians, by the Lord himself. So your failure is not my excuse to imitate your failure. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. But in secular society, it does. Because in secular society, it's not about striving for greatness. It's about not getting caught. And now it's coming to a crescendo. And if people are horrified, okay, then you have to say to yourself, then what's got to change? And it's the Premises we live by in secular society that have to change. And I would like to think it's the Christian premises of faith that should challenge the secular premises to say that is why this is not going to work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's so inspiring to see um, the martyrs, the stories of the martyrs.
1: and Oh, but what added doubt. Yeah. And, and we, we have even, modern day martyrs, don't we?
0: We do. Even in 2020, we had... Martyrs in Nigeria, and in France, and in
1: China. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting? I just realized, believe it or not, in in the the book I'm reading for spiritual meditation when I do my, my time before the Lord each day, that the very first words recorded in sacred scripture that come out of the mouth of Jesus are when he was found in the temple. And what does the Lord say? Right? Did you not know that I would be about my father's business or my father's work? And what's interesting about that sentence? Number one, he makes it clear who he is. That God is his father. Right? The divine sonship, clear, at early adolescent age. And it is all about the mission he has given It's about the work he has given. And why I raise that, all right, for for what we're talking about is because in the end, what is it the role of the Christian? To remember we are an adopted child of God, son or daughter of God, and it's all about the mission. Everything else is secondary. When you talk about the martyrs, the martyrs recognize another fundamental truth that we say, the greatest value is human life. In fact, the greatest value is faith. Because the martyrs gave up their human life for faith. Otherwise, they would be committing sin or right, betraying what is ultimately the greatest value. So we are certainly here fundamentally completely, unequivocally committed to respect human life. But the martyrs recognized that if the choice comes to either betray the Lord or give up your life, you offer your life for faith. And so what's the greatest value? It's to do my Father's work is the greatest value. Does that make sense?
0: Makes total sense, yep. I think most if not all christians would say we're willing to die for christ um but
1: really aren't we really you don't think so excellency oh no i absolutely agree they'll say it i don't yeah. know if they mean it
0: well <laughs> but, and and then on top of that aren't we aren't we all called to martyrdom and even if we don't end up shedding our blood uh we could be martyrs in smaller ways on a daily basis in the way yeah. we live
1: right Right, exactly. That's the difference between what they, what the tradition sometimes calls the white martyrdom and red martyrdom. Red martyrdom is you actually shed your blood. White martyrdom is you... It's the self-sacrifice. Yeah. No, so what I mean to say is, for most Christians, myself included, I think there is a clear commitment to that form of martyrdom where you sacrifice yourself. And, and perhaps in really heroic ways, short of giving up your life, but to actually... Give up your life. You know, it's easy to say. Yes. But it, we shouldn't say flippantly because right. there is there is a nobility and there is a, a, a sacredness and there is a great mystery for those who literally, consciously, freely gave up their life for Christ. That's a level of holiness I'm not sure I have completely, totally achieved yet in my life maybe I'm the only one who could say that but uh, again to the point is what is the offering of my life to the Lord it's about my father's business yeah the martyrs knew that to the end they knew that yeah
0: (laughs) okay excellency let's uh let's take a break we'll talk about hope when we come back great Catholic Radio Works and now we have it here in Connecticut and New York it's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank featuring Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, let's move on to um, better topics, something that probably Martin Luther King Jr. had deep within him to, to help him with his uh, uh, crusade, um, and we're going to talk about the theological virtue
1: of hope. Which is, in many ways, the, the, the theological virtue not often spoken about, but of dire importance in the world in which we live. Because we often talk about faith and charity, not as much about hope. Um, so, what is hope? In order to understand that, in order to begin to answer that question, we have to realize that there is a natural human desire for happiness to be fulfilled. You do not have to be a believer to recognize that. And therefore, everyone strives to seek that happiness or that fulfillment, sometimes in constructive ways, sometimes in destructive ways. Now, the theological virtue of hope is the desire for to be happy, fulfilled, by seeking the kingdom of God and eternal life as the only true source of our permanent happiness so it is to keep your eyes fixed on what really matters and therefore in order to receive that gift hope invites trust in that which the lord gives us to reach that goal so fundamental to hope is to trust in the love in the goodness of god and that which he offers and teaches, so that we can have the fulfillment our heart truly desires, the happiness that lasts forever. So it's born in faith, and it's realized in charity, but hope holds the two together. Now an interesting fact, we talk about Scripture, there is not a single incident in the Gospels where Jesus speaks of hope directly. Okay? St. Paul speaks about it, if I remember correctly, St. Paul speaks about it 51 times in the epistles. But Jesus never does. Why? Well, because he is the hope. <laughs> he is the source of hope. Right? And therefore, if one wants the gift of hope, then you receive it, it's given in baptism. It's one of the three theological verses that's given because Christ dwells in you. If Christ is our hope, then he dwells in you in the Holy Spirit, and that's where hope is born. Now, what does it not mean? It does not mean that you will that you will avoid suffering. In fact, hope demands in some sense suffering, right? Because affliction, all right, A deprivation, self-sacrifice purifies faith, and it hardens in the true sense of the word, charity, and it takes away the junk that does not come with us to heaven. (laughs) So in the end, if hope is all about that desire for heaven, right, to be fulfilled completely, then you got to get rid of the, the baggage sooner or later. So hope does not shy away from suffering, not at all. Hmm. but it is that 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 deep seated abiding sense all right that all you know i've quoted julian norwich many times all shall be well that that i trust god i trust his word i trust he loves me i, I trust that he's with me here mm-hmm. that he's asking me to undergo this purification he's asking me to persevere because i know where right. i know where he's leading me so I've given many talks about hope. First, because quite frankly, in my own life, it strengthens my own hope to go back to this theological virtue. I mean, you look at everything we do, look at COVID and the sufferings and what we talked about in Washington and, and all the upheavals in the world and, uh, and, and all of the sufferings and the inequalities and the sinfulness and the selfishness. And, and you say, well, where is hope? Well, hope's in the death and resurrection of the Lord counterintuitively, you look at the crucifixion and that's, that's where hope is born. Right? So having said that, if I may continue, right, I would ask our reader, our uh, listeners and readers to consider the fact that if you look at your own life, I look at my life and say to myself, well, Lord, help my, help my hope to deepen. I'm wavering, Lord, in my hope. You know, this is too much for me. How, 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 can, I, how can I allow my hope to, to grow in my heart? All right, then there's three things I would ask. Right? The first is, if you imagine every heart has a door that we control that allows things into our hearts, right, the door opens and closes by the choices we make. So therefore, the question is, what do you truly desire in your heart to have? Notice the word truly. Mm-hmm. Because right now, I desire to have a great lunch and a day where there's not too, much, too many problems and you know, and a good <laughs> night's sleep. Right. That's all passing stuff. That's the natural stuff we talked about. But what do I truly desire? So I'm going to tell you, today, the day we're taping this, is the 10th anniversary of my mother's death. 17 minutes after 4 o'clock, I was leaning over my mother. My mother took her, her last breath. So you were to ask me, what is it that I truly desire? I truly desire to see our Lord and our Lady. I truly desire to see my mom and my dad forever i could care less what problems come today irrelevant to the deeper desires so that's the first question everyone has to get a mirror put it in front of them and say what do i really desire to be led into my heart number one number two who guards what guards my heart what guards do i put up at that door to make sure that I only let in what really matters. You know, the Irish monks had a great, in the, what, they used to, what we used to call the Dark Ages, they had a great, great practice. They would bless the perimeters of the monasteries, literally walk the edges of the monasteries to create sacred space, to make sure that they guarded that that which was evil or distraction distraction would not enter into the sacred space. All right, so then the question is, what guards do we create around that door to make sure that we're only feeding our heart with the things that really matter so that hope can grow? Now, I tend to worry. I sometimes get anxious. We all do. And those are the moments you ask for the grace to say, okay, Lord, then I I need your help because I don't want these anxieties to enter my heart for very long because they're a distraction to what I know is coming. And then the third is, you've heard it many times before, I've said it, and therefore at the end, it's what do I desire? What are the guards at the door of my heart to prevent the stuff that doesn't matter from getting in? And then the last question is the question. Who is at the center of my heart? Who is it, the one above all others, that I pledge my allegiance, I would give my life over? And a Christian praise to live a life that every day it's more and more the answer to you lord mm. to you then your hope would be your foundation there's no one and nothing that would be able to break that hope if that happens mm. that's what we're about that's that's the great image of hope
0: yeah I love um, how St. Paul wrote to the Romans. He said that um, we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces endurance. Uh, Endurance produces character and character produces hope.
1: And hope does not disappoint. Never. It can't. It can't. It can't disappoint because in the end, hope is all about realizing what we were what the reason for which we were created the reason for which Jesus gave his life it is the destiny it's the salvation it is the gift what god has promised to give us and unlike many of us many times god fulfills his word he can be trusted yeah i
0: i, I want to um ask you excellency because um mm-hmm. uh, Robert Royal recently wrote a piece mm-hmm. uh about hope and he made two points that really stuck out to me number 1 mm-hmm. and the first one is what you've been saying that true hope um uh the belief that tomorrow things will be better um can only be about our final destiny that's what you're saying mm-hmm. um, but the second point hit me too cuz it's, it didn't strike me before that, but then when I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, he talks about that there are evil hopes, like when um, people march to celebrate abortion, like some did in December in Argentina to make abortion legal. They are hoping for something
1: evil. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, any mm-hmm. thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting. I think um, the only way I, that makes sense to me is to understand what we were chatting about before, that there is a hope that is a natural reality, mm-hmm. and then there is a hope that is a supernatural reality. Right. So those deluded individuals who think their hope is you know, to murder unborn uh, children in the womb, and somehow that's going to be a fulfillment, uh, that is, in my estimation, the hope on the natural level, that is misguided, that is wrong. That is sinful. It has nothing to do with the supernatural hope you and I are talking about. So what's unfortunate is that we use the same word to describe the two realities. Because they easily can be misunderstood or confused. So in some way, shape, or form... Why well, I understand what he means by evil hope. I would not use the hope, the word hope, in that context, because true Christian hope can never be evil. Right. But natural hope can be, and it just it can be confusing to the average person who is not thinking about this in any particular or nuanced way. You see right. what I mean?
0: Yes, it's not the hope that you're talking about.
1: Not it's, at all. Yeah. It's the natural desire to be happy, and if we could control the population of the world, we will be happy because then we won't have to have all this other stuff, and we'll have enough food, we'll have enough money. So that's the that hope, just as a on the natural level, it would almost be it would be very helpful to have use a different word for that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah,
0: but, right. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, let me ask you something else then, because um, it's. Possible And it's probably pretty frequent and um, um, happens a lot that uh, there are Christians, Catholics, mm-hmm. who know mm-hmm. the things that you've said about hope mm-hmm. and where our hope mm-hmm. should lie. And yet they're uh, suffering from despair. They feel like they don't have hope.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, what would you say to them?
1: Okay. Um, remember what the ultimate goal of the theological virtue of hope. It is fulfillment in heaven. It's eternal glory with the Lord Jesus. Now what I'm about to say may be a little bit disconcerting to some people, but hope does not, uh, the foundation of hope does not rest in a church that has no problems or in an age where everybody may be in agreement because our hope is is has a foundation that is more is deeper than that so my point is there are christians who are very upset with what they see going on in the church the lack of Christians practicing their faith and some of the controversies that we have been living through over the, and of course the abuse crisis was like a dagger in many people's hearts. For the last 40 years, it has not been an easy road. And therefore they can lose hope, right, in the church. Can the church find its way? My response today, it always has found its way because it's the bride of Christ, right? There have been periods in the church in the history far worse than this, and the church has found its way back. But if that does not give a person immediate consolation, what does give consolation is that God will bring us to glory as individual believers. Our, our fulfillment is in heaven. That even if the church has problems, you, the source of your hope is the word of Christ, that he will bring us all to eternal life if we're willing to follow what he asks. And therefore, the church as we know it on earth will pass for the triumphant church, which is the communion of saints. So don't allow the immediate problems to discourage you. Our hope rests in something far greater. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this brings us actually back to uh, the talk about the martyrs. Right. Right. Over Christmas... My family and I watched a movie called For Greater Glory. Have you ever seen it, Excellency? Mm
1: -mm. So it's
0: about about the Cristeros movement in Mexico in the early 1900s. Ah, yes. It's actually pretty well done. And for me, um, the story of the young boy, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, that was especially inspiring and moving. He was only 14 years old, but he died a heroic martyr's death. And in the movie, it's Mm -hmm. portrayed, he's there. His uncle is telling him, um, his uncle is with the government. And he's telling his nephew, he's saying, listen, just say you don't believe. It's just words. Just say it. And they brought his parents there too. And his parents were faithful. But in order to kind of inspire him to say it so he could go home with his parents. And he, this little 14-year-old boy, and it strikes me because I have a 14-year-old boy. But he looks at his mom and he says, I love you so much. And then he looks at the guards and he says, Viva Crisore. And they killed him on the spot. But that's that hope that you're talking about, Excellency. Right.
1: In a time which is chaotic. Yeah. So you look at all of the, of the, of the institutional and the earthly elements of Christianity that are all necessary. They're all preordained for us. They're all here to help us, right? But in Mexico, they had all fallen apart. And he was not despondent. Mm -hmm. He was just the opposite, right? Because he kept his eyes fixed on what hope leads us to. Yes. Not a a, a church without problems or challenges or a world. No. Right? It's It's the kingship of Jesus Christ. Yes, citizenship in the kingdom.
0: Right. Uh, let's uh, let's take one more break, Excellency, and we've got a listener question when we come back. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody's sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? How about while at work at your desk? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the
1: faith, and Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show. Whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology, I myself, as a
0: priest, am always learning. All right, welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, we have a a question here that came in. It actually fits perfectly with uh, what we've been discussing uh, today. So um, I'll just get to it and and, and read it. Mm -hmm. Bishop Frank, I feel like the apostles in the boat in the storm. So much trouble and turmoil is all around us. I'm waiting for Jesus to wake up. I get upset and angry so easily lately. Please give me some guidance.
1: Mm, Now that's a story that resonates very deeply with me. One, I have often prayed over, preached about, spoken about. And to hopefully for the benefit of the person who wrote the question, and quite frankly, just for my own benefit. um, Let's begin by just realizing that the Lord asleep was a choice. The Lord was never, has never, and never will be, um, apart from the control that needs to be exercised, because God is always there. But the Lord chose to be asleep, why? Many reasons. I would say this. St. Augustine actually says that Christ chose to be to, Christ was asleep so that it would force the apostles to be, become awake. For they were always relying on the Lord to take care of it. You do it. But a variation of that is simply this. Now this may sound very strange for me to put it this way, but I will. As Christians, we spend our entire life Rightfully so. Growing in our faith in the Lord Jesus. But did we ever consider how much faith, trust, Jesus has in us? Hmm. He has created us. He has sustained us. He has recreated us. He has offered us his Holy Spirit. Jesus was asleep in the boat. Why? Because he was telling his apostles, you can do this. I am here. You can do this. And I trust you to do this. But you do not believe in yourself enough to do it. And the only way you will grow to believe that with my help you can do this is if I leave you to struggle to do it. But if you trust me, you will be able to, with a single word, calm the waters. You will even, in a single word, raise the dead in my power. But if you don't believe that I love you that much, and entrusted you that much, and empowered you that much, then you're your own obstacle. It's a fascinating thing. And I sometimes often, not even sometimes, many many times I reflect on that story and say to myself, it wasn't that the Lord was absent, but the Lord wanted me, if I were in the boat, to say, okay, Lord, that I am going to step up and I hope and trust that what I can't do, you will, which you did. But it's not you do it and I'm just going to sit back. So I think it's a call to action, faithful, hopeful action um, recognizing the Lord is there, literally in front of my face, yeah. and whenever I need Him, He will be there.
0: Yeah, does that make sense? It, it makes total sense. And the whole reason the apostles were in the storm was because they followed Jesus onto the boat. Correct. It's it's not just that it Correct. just happened to happen. He, he like you're saying, He put them there. He wanted them there. Correct.
1: Right, because that's it. It's almost like. You know, I myself not having gone into the military, but it's almost like basic training. You know, isn't it true in a sense that when you go through that sort of training, part of you is broken down to be rebuilt. It's part of you comes to believe, to see and believe what you can actually do. Well, in a sense, Christian formation is the same thing. You break down the part of you that's the obstacle so that the Lord can rebuild it so it could become the vehicle for what he wants to do. So in a sense, the Lord has more faith and trust in us than we have often in ourselves. Yeah, And we gotta work on it.
0: One of of the um, verses from the Bible that I always am going back to is from uh, the book of Sirach. And it says, my son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials like they're coming mm-hmm. <laughs> it's part of mm-hmm. it's part of the membership the cost
1: of membership and in the end just to to conclude the image what is ultimately was asked of the apostles that day in the midst of that storm that which was completely within their control is to remain faithful to whatever happened remain faithful to the Lord regardless of what happened even if they drowned okay and what the Lord is saying is you can go beyond that you can calm this storm in my name so i think it's a call to action and therefore the action is not always it's the action that's possible is not always to be able to calm the storm but it is always it is always to be faithful to the Lord yeah. whatever the price is that we all can do always yes
0: so I just um if it's okay the the, the question I, I don't want to skip over uh, this um, last sentence in the in the listeners' email mm-hmm. they said I get upset and angry so easily today
1: and I just mm-hmm. want to make
0: sure because that feels like a cry for help
1: without a doubt and i think quite frankly so so am i i'm far more irritable than i am by personality usually i think many of us are precisely because um there's a there's a toll to what's going on we've talked about this before in in the covid world there is a lot more psychological and spiritual energy needed simply to maintain our routines because our routines are challenged in ways that before 2020 never happened. Right? You see it on the societal level with what happened at the Capitol. What you presumed, it's almost as if you can't presume anything anymore. And therefore, the level of psychic and spiritual energy needed to maintain, just to maintain, is much more, it's, it's much larger, it's deeper, it's more profound now. And therefore, people are tired, and when they're tiredable, they get irritable. And when yeah. they get irritable, they get angry. So I think our our um, the, the person who wrote the question, one of the things I, I, I would like to say is, I think that's true in a lot of people's hearts. And therefore, what can we do together in the midst of the storm, not to act out of anger in a sinful way, but to act out of that anger in a noble way? Yeah. And the noble way would be to be faithful to what the Lord is saying, what he asks, what he teaches, yep. not to respond in more base instincts that we have seen, we've talked about.
0: Yeah. And, and when you stumble, which we all do, come back, come back to the sacraments. God is never more than an, I'm sorry, away.
1: That's the image of Peter lifting himself out of the water and walking to the Lord. As soon as he looked at his feet and said to himself, am I doing this? Boom. he went. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yep.
0: Right. Okay. So, uh, we love to get your questions. We welcome them. If you have a question for Bishop Frank, please send it in to us on social media, or you can email questions at VeritasCatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, on Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, not not posting anything angry, always uplifting <laughs> in those uh, arenas. And um, so is Veritas Catholic Network, uh, Excellency.
1: I'd love for you to give us your blessing. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, as we continue to walk this new year in faith, we ask that through the intercession of Saint Francis of Assisi, that our ourselves, our families, our country, our world, be blessed with the gift of peace. Peace that comes from surrender to your will, hopeful trust in your love, and the commitment to remain faithful to you all the days of our life. May your Holy Spirit bless us this day and forever. For we ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Steve, I'll see you next week, my friend. Thanks, Excellency.